Hello and welcome to the Zero Hanger podcast. I am your host, Phoenix Shooter and I'm joined as always by AFL Chief Editor Mitch Keating. Hello, mate. Hello, hello. Yeah, not too bad. Back from um, break. Yeah, had about two weeks off, went to New Zealand, didn't think about footy for about two weeks, which is uh, nice. quite the luxury. How have all you been? I've been thinking about. <laughs> how, was, uh, how was Middle Earth? It was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, went to Hobbiton, um, went to the Wetter Cave. I was there during the uh, Rugby World Cup final as well. And um, yeah, yeah, just there was a whole nation of upset uh, Kiwis, which is uh, quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about uh, rugby. We're here to talk about... Is this not the New Zealand tourism podcast? <laughs> not anymore. Ah, okay, cool. uh, we're here to talk about the draft AFLW finals preview and a couple of delisted free agency updates. And, uh, and then we'll get into the mailbag. So Huge. Yeah, let's uh, let's get back into it. Sort of blow the cobwebs off. So, uh, what's the latest on draft? I, I haven't caught up. A uh, little little bit of movement on pick swaps, and uh, are the Eagles going to trade pick one? I feel like we've been asking that question for a long time. Yeah, I think we might have an answer as well. I oh, don't cool. Think, it doesn't think it's going to happen. Well, I, like, I don't think it, like, it's not news. It's just a, I just don't see it happening. And then yeah, just not really anything happening on the pick swaps either. So they've opened the window um i think it's been open for over a week now mm-hmm. and uh yeah not a single trade so whether they'll keep this open again next year or maybe this is just a, a bit of an outlier year um is one thing but we couldn't still expect trades to come just more likely uh, on draft night over the over the two nights um so why is that why would they do it why would they opt to trade picks on the night rather than so, know, so some clubs, beforehand. so live trading, I think is a, a good development just because you can have a club who is, it's probably got some later picks and then all of a sudden there's a guy who maybe has slid a few picks and they're like, all right, if, if we only have to get up a couple spots, maybe we can trade uh, the, you know, our next pick and, and one of our future ones for a club for just one pick. And it's worked off a few times. Josh Weddle was a good one last year. Geelong did it a couple of years ago to get into the first round for Max Holmes. So um certainly works live trading this this window has been quieter and quieter as each year's gone on on over the last i think three or four years um like i said it could certainly be active again next year's but if the afl change a few things then maybe they just think you know all the trades that need to be done can just be done ahead of the draft uh, and lodged then instead of over this 10-day period two weeks out from the drafts that's that's some that's something but um yeah like i said there'll be probably a few live trades um and one of them definitely could be west coast so pick one i think will be used by the eagles and i think it'll use be by harley reed that seems like a pretty good chance i think um you know people have kind of mentioned maybe picks two and three is the only thing that can get it done and and if you're north melbourne don't think you're giving up two and three unless you're getting something else back in return along with pick one or if you know um there's some other movement uh, elsewhere that, that allows them to get some of their other trades uh, up the draft order. But pick two and three, uh, the history of that over the last 10 or so years, of the two players that have gone two and three compared to the player that's gone one, um, the two and three has pretty much been the better almost every time. Um, as good as Harley Reid is, I think they'd like a, a Dersmer and a McKercher or a um, Curtin in, in those two selections. So um, yeah, the way I see it is that West Coast will probably hold pick one and, and North will stay at two and three. Yeah. So those first three um, look pretty set. So um, you've also said that the second half of the top 10 is set to shape the draft as well. Yeah, so kind of, I guess, flowing on from from the West Coast discussion is they could also be a part of this if they want to trade back into the draft order, kind of like that live trading. Um, so Dan Kern's the name that, that's obviously popped up a fair bit for the Eagles, just given he's the best rated WA player. 
Um, and when you're a team pretty early in a rebuild, guys that are pretty versatile are, are you know, worth their weight in gold. So a player that can play as a key defender, as a forward target, or even through midfield would be great for West Coast, especially given, yes, um, you know, he's, he's from the area. Uh, so if, they, if he does slide past some of these, um, you know, first six or so picks, then um, there's certainly a good chance that they could trade their, their future first. We'll touch on the spit later, I think. But um, yeah, there's certainly one that, that could move into this this gap. But I think when you hit about pick six, pick seven, when you get to, I think it's Melbourne and, and GWS, Geelong, Essendon, these are four clubs that could be looking at the same types of player. So it's going to be really interesting to see, A, who's left over from uh, after the first six or so picks because I think there's that probably first six group and then maybe it goes down only slightly, but to that to the next group shortly after that. So um, when you look at Melbourne, they're probably just going to be looking at who might be left over. Could be Riley Sanders. Nick Watson could slide if the dogs don't take him, but I don't know if the Ds would take a small forward. Uh, and then your Connor O'Sullivan's, um, Dan Curtin's in that bracket, like I said, if he slides as well. Uh, and Nate Caddy. So between you know Melbourne, GWS, Geelong and Essendon, I think a lot of those guys are going to be looking at the same those same players. Uh, O'Sullivan, key defender, um, as mentioned, Dan Curtin can, can similarly be the same and would likely be taken ahead of him. Uh, Eston would love a key defender. Geelong would love a key defender. So there's O'Sullivan for kind of a few clubs. Melbourne too could look to kind of prepare for life after Harrison Petty if they kind of are understanding that he'll be gone in a year or two. Mm. Um, and then Nate Caddy as well. GWS would love, I think, a key forward to match with Aaron Cadman in, in that kind of youth group for them. Uh, Geelong would love a key forward. You know, Tom Hawkins probably in his last year, next year. Uh, Eston would love a key forward. So so for, for Caddy, for O'Sullivan, uh, and then guys like Caleb Windsor and... Darcy Wilson, a couple of outside midfielders. They're just in that probably six to 12 group. And then um, that's going to be a really interesting kind of four or five selections before you hit um, Adelaide and St. Kilda. And I think Sydney have a pick and Melbourne come back in as well. Um, and there's going to be probably a really good uh, player out of that group that, that's left over for one of those clubs. And um, yeah, Adelaide will be waiting to see who, who that is or they could you know go for a James Leake um, who seems to be coming up the ranks a little bit among some discussions so yeah that, that's going to be a really interesting part of the draft to look at i think on the night yeah and obviously um you know it's we've talked a lot about it but the academy and the father son bids so when are they expected to come yeah so in the top 10 i, I think jed walter goes second so after harley reed's picked up by west coast i think north kind of just you've got the next two picks you may as well use your top one to force um gold coast's hand a little bit more uh, so i think jed walter goes too he's probably the second best player in the draft anyway so if they're yep. just kind of going off the top of their list he'd be there uh, Ethan Reed and Jake Rogers are the next two um, Reed probably top 10 Rogers maybe I don't think it'd be top 10 but he could be uh, but maybe closer to that 10 to in that 10 to 15 range and then Will Graham's the other one who you know after pick 15 16 17 it's going to open up a fair bit and it's going to be a pretty level playing field so if there's a club that does like Will Graham or just wants to kind of be a bit of a nuisance and force Gold Coast into coughing up more points than um, Graham could even earn a selection earlier than, than thought. Uh, I think similar could also be, you know, said of uh, Caden Cleary at the Swan, so another academy, Northern Academy kid. Um, certainly, yeah, another one that might just be of interest or, or a, a club that I think like Sydney last year, like to just bid on a few players and force a few clubs to, to kind of cop up picks earlier than they thought they would. I think they did that with Harry Rouston, Max Michelani, and then ended up trading out of the first round last year, Sydney. So, um, yeah, a few they picked up a few enemies last year, but I guess it's all just part of the draft. Um, and then 
Hawthorne and uh, Western Bulldogs might have some early father-sons, Will McCabe and Jordan Croft, respectively. So I think Croft probably ahead of McCabe. I, I rate McCabe quite highly, so I might have those two on the same level, but yeah, maybe in that pick 15 range to, to 20 range for those two. Um, and then the Hawks have another father-son in Culture Deer who they could pick up pretty late into the draft um, or, you know, after the draft anyway. Uh, and same with Kynan Brown in Melbourne. So another father-son for the Ds who, yeah, again, could just be reserved with a pretty late pick in the proceedings. Um, and then, yeah, the NGA kids. So obviously you need to be outside of pick 40 to to fetch a bid or match a bid for, for these kids. So Norman Luol, um for the Western Bulldogs. You got Mitch Edwards for Frio, uh, Tojath for Hawthorne. You'd think all three might be done by 40. But as mentioned, like after, you know, once you pass the maybe pick 17, pick 18, it's pretty level, uh, and you know some of these guys could one of these guys could slide, and that'd be great for either um, yeah Hawthorne, the doggies, or, or Fremantle. And there's a few others involved. Lance Collard's another one, but don't think he'll be um, sliding anywhere outside the first round. Riley Sanders is another, but again, probably taken in the top ten. So those are the three names that are kind of the ones to watch. I think when it comes to that pick forty mark. Yep. Is this the draft of the most? Because this is the most I've like in recent memory of hearing about um, you know academy and NGA and father son bids. Is there more than usual there's, this year? I feel um, like there's there's, a, there's there's probably a few. Years. I think it's just like the quality of them. Like mm-hmm. you you probably get a lot picked up later in the draft. Like father son, you might usually get three to four to five. Um, and academy kids might be a little bit more. Obviously, like a couple of years ago when you know, in the top 20 picks or even before that, it was you know, no barrier whatsoever and Jamara went number one with the Western Bulldogs. There might have been a few more as well then with, with no barrier. But um, yeah, there's this is, you know, I think it was, um, you know, a few last year that went early in the draft that got picked up by other clubs, um, Cam McKenzie being one as an NGA kid. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few this year. I think it's just the quality as well, especially with Gold Coast's, mm-hmm. you know, three to four kids. Um couple of father sons thrown in there and then yeah, the NGA is just getting bigger and bigger like clubs yeah. are just doing a lot more due diligence and get trying to get on top of these kids and it's kind of that balancing act of making sure that they're really good and re- ready for AFL footy but also making sure they're not top 40 prospects you can actually still hold on to them so there's a yeah there's that balancing act as well um but yeah there's 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 a few this year and it's a really good crop well in terms of those academies you can probably just expect there to be more and more in the coming years as that mm. academy itself develops yeah um but you have a mock draft coming up yeah second next. edition so uh we put i think it was a couple of weeks ago we mm-hmm. put out our first edition mock draft it's about 27 picks that's just the first round so obviously the after starting with 18 selections you get your compensation picks added and then you know you can kind of expect those academy bids and father-son bids so that was 27 selections so you can look at that on zerohanger.com and then on monday coming we'll cover it as well um as part of ZHTV, but it'll be on online um, over the weekend. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you'll be able to look at our uh, next mock draft, our second edition. So it's not necessarily, uh, so I think this one's looking at 28 picks. So we've got an, another bid in there somewhere in the first round. Um, and it's just kind of looking at maybe, a, you know, a couple of changes here and there and the ripple effects that that will have. So, you know, if North Melbourne go for a curtain instead of a McCurcher, you know, who picks up McCurcher and then how does that change their plans? And then it's kind of a domino and snowball and, you know, use whatever term you want. And then that'll kind of, you know, shift the the plans for a few clubs. Some guys still go to the same pick or go to the same club. But um, yeah, new mock draft coming up this weekend and, and we'll kind of run through it on Monday for those that kind of want to listen or watch uh, a bit more depth yep. um, on how it's all broken down and, and why those clubs would probably pick those players. Yep. 
Awesome. All right. Keep an eye out for the mock draft second edition on zerohanger.com. Let's move over to the AFLW now. So Saturday afternoon, the finals are already starting. Uh, I feel like that's gone very quickly with uh, two of the best clubs in the competition's history going head to head. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. The uh, Crows and Lions, uh, Crows get a few fresh legs in. Um, you know, we're able to rest some players and still take out the minor premiership in round 10. So that was a big tick for them. Uh, Played Nor- Norwood Oval. Um, so obviously another big benefit as well is, is you know, being able to stay in your home state. So home uh, qualifying final against Brisbane. Yes, as you mentioned, kind of the best two um, clubs in the competitions, you know, eight year history uh, or seven year, eight you know, season history. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting to see whoever wins this one and, and probably sets them up as favourites for the flag. And on the corresponding side, you've got Melbourne playing North Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And they're probably the other two clubs over the competition's history that are, that are in that next bracket. And they've, they've just stayed, all of them, four, have just stayed, stayed so strong. Some have done well with, you know, retention and, and holding on to their star players. And you look at a club like the Lions who lost three of their best players last year and uh, remain well in the fight. So that's a lot of credit to them. And then just look at the uh, elimination finals. So the Suns and Swans will play. It's the Gold Coast second time in the postseason and Sydney's first and only in their second year. They're, they're really excited. I think they could be the ones to cause a bit of an upset, the Swans, um, if I am going to pick one. Uh, and then the other elimination final is Geelong and uh, Essendon. Uh, so the Barker sisters playing off and the winner of that will play loser Melbourne versus North Melbourne and the winner of Sydney and, and Gold Coast will play the loser mm. of the Crows and Lions and that's going to be really tough to travel to one of those but uh, obviously between Geelong, Essendon, Melbourne and North Melbourne they'll at least be staying in Victoria. Yep. Just funnily enough that they had to schedule both of those games on the Sunday only a couple, an hour or two hours apart which is kind of odd. Yeah. Um, don't really get to travel you couldn't if you're go a to Victorian both. fan. No you wouldn't. I don't, like, I don't know how many would mm-hmm. but you know if you're also a fan that's at the game and then you want to watch the other games mm. it's still um, bits hard so yeah it all kicks off saturday a couple games and a couple on sunday it's a nice spread wouldn't mind friday night fixture but yeah yeah that's right maybe we'll get one over the next few weeks yeah they've been done by the uh, the fixturing in recent times so yeah. bombers that's the first time they've made finals in the afw uh, yeah so they what they were first year last year yeah all right and then geelong are like geelong same though they they've come up over the last couple of seasons and done really well so Put themselves in a great position. Couldn't quite capitalize last finals season. Um, and we'll probably go in favorites over the Bombers, which is going to be exciting for them down yep. at Cadinia Park. So, um, yeah, this is it's going to be... I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about how the finals will play out over the first week alone, just given, you know, what kind of difference we're going to see from Adelaide and, and Brisbane mm-hmm. and, and as well as what, you know, if they do have a win, what um, level Melbourne will be playing out against the Kangaroos. You got a tip for the whole thing? Uh, as in this week or just like for the flag? For the flag. I like Brisbane, but I think the Crows will get the job done this week and they'll probably cruise through. Uh, Brisbane could force themselves through on the other side, but Melbourne and their forward line is just so potent. So uh, I'm going to give you an answer. I'm just still actually trying to figure out who I think. (laughs) I think it'll be Crows. I think it'll be Adelaide again, amazingly, if not Melbourne. Yeah. 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 Days. Days. Yeah. All right. So moving over from the well, the D's to the D listed free agency update. Do you like that? Yeah, I'm getting. <laughs> anyway. All right. Yes. Moving on. So in the uh, D listed free agency space, so there's been three signings made in the last week or so that I I have missed, but 
Yeah. So what's what's happening over there? Yeah. So again, this is kind of like one. Of, it's quite ish, but I guess it's a window that that is giving some opportunity. So yes, while you wait, this is kind of a good filler in actually mm. um, for anyone else that was in New Zealand for the last couple of weeks that <laughs> wanted to to catch up. Um, so yeah, Sam Naismith finds an opportunity at Richmond. Obviously, they need a ruckman after losing Van Soldo. Rosio Fantasia to Carlton. It's kind of a weird one. Two-year deal. Um, I, I think the Blues kind of want that type of player. I didn't think mm-hmm. Orazio Fantasia was going to be that player, nor did I think you'd probably get a, a multi-year deal um, just given his injury history. But that's going to be an interesting one. Seemed like he was going to be a good chance to go to GWS and did a, a medical with them, but um, maybe it was the you know, security of a two-year deal at, at Icon Park that kind of saw him go to Carlton. Plus, you know, he's quite familiar with Michael Voss given their time together at Port Adelaide. Then Oscar McDonald, so former... Melbourne and Carlton key defender heads to Fremantle. So, you know, they lose Joel Hamling through free agency and they probably just want some um, insurance in their backline stocks. So funnily enough, on top of the, you know, already known pickup for North Melbourne of Toby Pink, mm-hmm. three of the four guys who have found new homes didn't play AFL this year. So mm-hmm. Naismith was at Port. Melbourne, Oscar McDonald was also in the VFL um, with Williamstown and Toby Pink was at Glenelg. Uh, they all had great seasons. So certainly could um, find themselves playing AFL football next year. But I guess it's just funny to see, you know, it's not necessarily the players who have been recently cut, um, but more so the players who have spent a year out of the system and are now finding themselves back in it. Could you see any of those playing round one? Uh, Naismith, I'd say unlikely unless Nank- like if it's, he's pretty much there if Nankervis can't play. And we've mm-hmm. seen what we've seen, whether it's more so suspension, but injury as well uh, for Sam, uh, for Toby Nankervis. So Naismith, yeah, like I said, just ready-made, has experience. Samson Ryan might just want more time developing as a, as a forward. Fantasia, definitely. Um, it's going to be a pretty interesting fight for selection, though, when you've got uh, Corey Durden, Matt Owies, Jesse Motlop, um, and then even like you add Elijah Hollands into that. Now he's joined them. McDonald, unlikely. He's not a not going to be a best 22, 23 player, but mm-hmm. Alex Pierce or Brennan Cox go down. He's, he's, he's on Solid standby. Depth. Yeah, and Toby Pink's probably the best best chance with Fantasia, maybe just given North Melbourne's depleted backline, it'll be without Griffin Lowe for the first half of the year at least. So, um, no, he's a great chance for sure. Yep, interesting. Um, and Adefe is currently shut. Yes, yeah, so it's it, kind of it, it, it's weird. So there's like three windows. I think it's shut today. So what are we Thursday, mm-hmm. the ninth, um, and then I think it opens on Friday again for like just the one day. So it's like list, weird. It's like list lodgement day today, and then tomorrow opens for like one day. Um, I think after that list lodgement, and then it's closed again until uh, pretty much when the draft finishes. So um, yeah, it's kind of back and forth, but that's why there was a few last week, pretty much right when it opened, because clubs had already organised those ones. Um, and then yeah, it'll open again after the draft, and then we'll have the SSP period as well. Yeah, following that, so there's a fair bit to still play out. Well, yeah, speaking of a lot to play out, so who else could be finding a home uh, back on an AFL list? Um, Jeremy Sharp's probably one. Um, you know, Freer had a great look at him last year. Kind of talked, uh, said that probably wasn't, weren't as keen on him this year. Um, that was kind of around trade period though. So once he was delisted by the Suns, they still kind of kept a bit quiet, but he could be one rookie draft or SSP for Fremantle or even West Coast. I like Brody McLaughlin, didn't get a, a run at, the Suns this year though um, despite kicking the most goals in the VFL so um, he's one I think a few Victorian clubs would like uh, Brent Teagle Luke Foley Trey Roscoe is probably some of the guys that recently got cut from this year 
that I think might be worth another stint. And then Dan McKenzie is one that has been delisted by the Saints um, as part of like today's list lodgement, but um, he'll train with with the Saints over the preseason anyway. If he can prove that he's still fit and got what it takes after a year hampered by calf injuries, then they'll pick him up again through the SSP. So that's another one to watch yep. um, for guys kind of pushing for a career lifeline. Yep. All right. Interesting stuff. All right. Let's uh, roll over to the mailbag. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so don't forget, if you want to submit to the mailbag, if you've got a question or a talking point or a hot take, you can do that on our Instagram. And uh, I haven't told you this yet, but we'll also be uh, putting up a post uh, within our YouTube. Uh, there's a thing where you can put up a post within YouTube for our subscribers. So if you'd like to submit to the mailbag, you can do that by subscribing to the YouTube channel as well. So uh, we'll jump straight into it. So the first one comes from Noah Ion. So who will Richmond be drafting? Actually, good timely question. We've done our Richmond draft focus this week. So we've kind of worked through or working through all 18 clubs. I think we've only got about three to go. Um, so if you're, you know, Adelaide through to St Kilda alphabetically, then you can catch yours. And then Sydney, West Coast and Western Bulldogs will be on their way. Um, yeah, the Tigers, uh, key forward probably has to be one. They got Jacob Kaczynski, um, before we mentioned Samson Ryan, who's more of maybe a ruck forward. Mm-hmm. And I think um, can certainly complement Toby Nankervis since probably his long-term replacement. But another tall forward, I think, is a, is a, is a must for them. Um, you know, Tom Lynch missed almost the whole year through injury and they've just lost Jack Raywalt to retirement. So they don't really have those assets. And Noah Bolter can play forward. I think they'd prefer him down back. And that also hinges on if Josh Gibkus is for free and uh, healthy as well. So who they could look at, uh, Arch Reed would be a great one for them at, at their first pick. They don't come in until pick 29. Um, so he's one. Luke Lloyd maybe is one that we named now. An, uh, Richmond and draft analysis piece, um, just given he's, he's a later selection and, and maybe one that they can use at the back end of the draft. Uh, and then some other guys that maybe provide some outside run or some defensive help, um, like an Ari Schoenmaker, another one for their first pick of the night. Um, Kobe Ship, another late kind of draft pick. So they, they, they don't have a first round pick because they traded it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably why they, they can't look at the top end guys. But they're some of the names that, that we um, kind of had mentioned. Some others as well. Evan Smith, if they want a, a tall forward as well out of WA. Will Dawson's a... Um, pretty tall defender out of Gippsland um, if they want some of those key position talent at either end as well. So there's some of the guys we have for, for Richmond. Yeah, they're going to want to make that uh, first pick count yes. um, considering how far back they are. So next one comes from Matthew Bates. Um, this is Matthew Bates that played for the D's back in the day. The uh, red hair, I think, wasn't it? Matt Bates? Yeah, Matt, Matt Bates. Okay, yeah. anyway, um, I doubt this was him, but he asks, well, how come the Suns are allowed to take their academy players in the top 40? Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, so they're Northern Academy. So there's there are two different types of academy players. So there's Northern Academy players, which uh, are the four Northern clubs. So Brisbane, Gold Coast, Sydney, and GWS. Given they're not really footballing states, I guess they're kind of afforded these Northern Academies. Um, so you've got your Swans Academy, Lions Academy, Suns Academy, and Giants Academy. Um, and yeah, they don't have... I guess any draft restrictions on when bids can come. So if it, like we mentioned earlier in the show, Jed Walter could get, be receive a bit of pick two and Gold Coast, as long as they have the draft points available to match a bid, then they get access to them. They can go in deficit if they don't have the draft points. Um, and at the same time, uh, if they are matching a bid, they get a 20% discount as well. So they don't have to have the exact amount of points that that, um, I guess, value index totals. But that's why. So NGA is a bit different. They're not exactly... Yeah. Every club can have an NGA 
uh, academy or does have an NGA academy and can have linked prospects, they're not, uh, you know, it's still kind of similar part of their junior pathways, but um, it's, it's, they're, they're a bit different and, and kind of the criteria to meet an NGA uh, academy position is a bit different, whereas academy kids for the Northern academies don't really have to you know, fall under anything in particular. They're just more local kids that they can kind of grow the game um, in those kind of non-footballing states. So it's working really well for, for Gold Coast. Um, and yeah, this is a year where they will have access to three to four pretty good players mm-hmm. um, in, in the draft and they'll have another one at least coming through next year. And that's why, you know, Sydney as well, you know, a few years ago could get your Cal Mills, Isaac Heaney, Nick Blakey's, uh, even be- that was before the the bid restrictions. But um, yeah, even if they had the bid restrictions, then they would have picked those guys up. So there's a difference between Northern Academies and Next Generation Academies. So that's yep. why the Suns can pick up um, their guys within yep. the top 40 and a club like North Melbourne can't get Riley Sanders uh, at pick, you know, whenever he's bid on because he's a, a NGA kid instead of a Northern Academy kid. Yeah. And just to clarify, so the Northern Academy... Uh, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and the two Sydney teams. Yeah, so just yep. the Queensland and, and New South Wales clubs. Yep. yep. Um, and we did cover a lot of this in our Draft Points uh, video that is currently on our YouTube channel. I yeah, think, yeah. As well. If yep. you want more of an explainer, um, and it's probably laid out a bit more on, on how clubs bid and match points, then yeah, that's on our on our page as well. Yep. Yep. Easy. All right. Next one comes from Bed. Bem Gaddy, which is more of a take. So the Suns must make finals next year, given they have 80% of premiership list. 80%? I don't know about that. Well, was with Dimmer. That's kind of what Dimmer said in his first press conference. That, 80, 80%, that is right, yes. Yeah, 80% of the list's there. And they're probably going to add another 5 to 10% with these academy kids, I think. Mm. Um, and yeah, as, like I said, it's a take, not necessarily a question. So I... I like to think that they make finals next year. Um, they've only really lost talent and mm-hmm. they'll get in some draft talent. So it's it's not really like for like just given the experience you're losing. They get a decent coach in, not that Stuart Jew wasn't, but Damien Harwick's probably just a level up. And then the, the interesting thing I think what I think about next season is the amount of clubs coming up and the lack of clubs that look to be going down. I think mm-hmm. Richmond might go down a little bit. Like they went down a lot this year though, so it might not be that much. Geelong probably come down a bit further, but the rest are pretty much on the way up. I think Essendon is still going to be pushing up for a final spot to Freo bounce back. Um, St Kilda probably the only final side that I can see really sliding, mm-hmm. um, if any will. So the Suns are going to have a lot of competition um, with a club like Adelaide as well, who somehow missed out on the top eight, albeit you know through controversy rather than form. Um, and it's going to be, you know, a benchmark for them to be finally making the top eight next year. But whether that's a guarantee just because of the list they've got, I, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I think the club would would like to see finals football in yeah. 2024 for sure. I could see them having a season like Carlton did in Voss's first year, like where the system is pretty visible, but they just miss out on finals as well. Yeah, I, yeah I'm probably having, I'm if I'm making a, a a ladder today i'm probably not having them in the top eight yeah um, but just outside makes sense in terms of sliders though i've got a funny feeling about port next year they're very uh Ooh. i don't know they could be one i think as well anyway um, a little pot shot there at port for no reason and uh, <laughs> next one comes from harrison de tracy gould what do the dockers have to do to make finals um there's probably a, a mix um you know, I think a, a staying healthy is one thing. It's mm-hmm. not something they've they've had over the last few years, um, and that, that that that's pretty much for every Premiership team. If you stay fit, um, you're going to be competing all the way to the end. 
Um, you know, Collingwood did well enough, I think, this year to, to stay healthy. That every club has their injury issues at some point. But mm-hmm. you know, look at Melbourne in 2021 had next to no you know, major injury um, issues. Geelong last year and Geelong in their their golden years didn't really have you know too many setbacks. So that's one thing. But it's easily said than done. Another thing is probably how their forward line works. You know, how much are they going to be relying on Jai Amos? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the balance they get out of Luke Jackson and Sean Darcy. Um, you know, what role does Matt Tabernard play and, and how accurate are these guys going to be in front of goal? Because that's another thing that's it's been a big knock for them. You know, Justin Longmuir's game plan is probably not, you know, probably not a strength anymore. Or it's probably, I guess, yeah, more of a weakness when you see how some of these other clubs are playing and those clubs are the ones uh, that I'm talking about, are the ones that are competing at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot to play out there. But I did see that they're starting preseason next week, which seems a lot earlier than normal or a lot earlier than most clubs. Obviously, they finished, you know, with ten other clubs um, in August, at the end mm. of August. So um, they've had that space, but their first four-year players are starting, you know, before they even before the draft, um, to all, you know, a week out before the draft. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how many others are doing that, uh, mm. and if not, then that could be an advantage for them uh, to kind of get that preseason up and running. So that's, that's kind of like that. That could mm. help. Um, like I said, I'm not sure if any others are. I haven't seen any of most of them. Are, kind of starting at late November, early December mm-hmm. for your first and four years and then your senior players. So, um, yeah, mid-November return to, to pre-season training is it's not a very big off-season for the Dockers, but as mentioned, it's probably the same size as what they had last year given they made finals and probably returned on time. So hopefully that works for them. Like I said, they're one of the clubs that definitely could be pushing up and won't be won't be falling down. Um, but there's, there's a balance of yeah. things that they need to tick off to be back in the top eight next year. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So next one comes from simply JXTT. What is going on with Max Holmes? I think he's referring to there was a Herald Sun kind of well, I guess half report, half analysis on Collingwood. And I think it was just on Max Holmes having some interest from the Pies, uh, and that makes a lot of sense. I think he was noted as kind of a still side bottom successor. Um, Collingwood certainly needs some outside run and dash, and um, you look at the best young wingman in the league, and he's probably second behind Errol Goulden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think Josh Dacos is really considered young. We're talking like the first you know, two, three years players here. And um, yeah, Max has been absolutely fantastic for Geelong. Uh, and he's a huge part of their plans. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think they've got 13 or 14 guys who are off contract next year that are free agents alone. Mm. Plus, you know, you're probably looking at another 10 names and Max is one of them that isn't a free agent, but he's still unsigned. And, you know, what we're seeing more and more now is that it doesn't take... You know, too much for a young player coming off contract to decide their own future if they want to leave, mm-hmm. um, despite you know not being eligible for free agency. So, uh, Cats would ask for a lot if Collingwood came calling and if Max wanted out. But I, I don't see him leaving Geelong. Um, they should have some decent wiggle room, the Cats, as opposed to Collingwood, and should be able to make him you know comfortable at home at Kidinia Park, despite them likely not being in the Premiership window in the next few years. Um, but 2024 is going to be a big season for Max Holmes and Geelong. Mm. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the contract run kind of plays out. Yeah, I think he could be in um, in the box seat for a pretty decent offer, especially with um, a couple of the, those cats retiring as well, probably yeah. by the end of next year. So uh, next one comes from James Senior. Likely draft options for Essendon once they slide back two to three spots. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we spoke a little bit about the Bombers and, and them being in that kind of, you know, six to 10 draft range spot. Um, yeah, I think Conor O'Sullivan's probably a, a one for them. Good, strong key defender, has leadership qualities, um, can swing forward if they want. You know, 
think one thing we know about the Bombers, they've, they've loved a swing man the last few years. When you look at Michael Hurley, Cal Hooker, yeah, James Stewart, Aaron Francis, all these guys, even Kyle Langford's kind of finally finding his home in, in the in, a, in the forward line. So uh, yeah, he's he's certainly one option. You know, two hundred centimeters tall or close to it. I think uh, Nate Caddy's one mm-hmm. key forward probably plays a bit taller than what his height suggests. I think he's only about one ninety one, one ninety two. Mm-hmm. Um, but a bit like Charlie Kerno, um, you know, great leaping and great aerial marking. So um, yeah, kind of while probably viewed as a medium-sized forward, plays a bit taller as well. Um, bit of outside polish if they want. I don't think they need it, but if they're going for like best available, it could be a Caleb Windsor or a Darcy Wilson. Um, they're, yeah, they're probably the, the four that I'd be linking to the Bombers. Um, like I said, pick 10 or, um, or pick nine, sorry, and it'll, it'll push back to maybe yeah, pick 10, pick 11. Um, so yeah, they're probably the, the four names, I think, in that mix for, for Essendon at that point of the draft. Yep. Interesting. All right, next one from Isaac Grant. Bit of a hot take. Uh, Port has the best forward line. Uh, yeah, it's nah. a hot take. I think he, <laughs> he actually mentioned he was a Brisbane fan. I think Brisbane probably have the best forward line. Yeah. Um, Charlie Dixon as your spearhead, probably just past his best. Like mm. Mitch Georgiatis can can start hitting his potential, and when he re- returns from an ACL injury, um, certainly can rival like him and Todd Marshall together. Mm. Um, with the midfield that's feeding them, um, that certainly could be a you know a lethal forward pairing. Um, Jeremy Finlayson's a nice complementing tall forward, but I think they would if I think Port fans would like him to be their fourth best tall forward behind the other three. Um, Junior Rioli or Willie Rioli um, and you know Sam Palpepper at their feet, not bad. They probably want another small forward though, given um, those two aren't always the most consistent. Yeah, and you can roam through your Rosies and your Horn Francis and that forward line as well. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a good forward line, but it's I don't think it's in the top I three. I think you've got Geelong, Brisbane, probably Adelaide have a better forward line than Port Adelaide, I'd say. Mm. Um yeah, sorry, I, I I won't agree, but it's it's a take. It's yeah, yeah that's all right. And no, I'd yeah, I'd probably put Brisbane in there with um just the quality of their smalls too, like yeah. Cameron and um you throw Bailey in there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think they've got a few. Yeah. I mean, interesting take. Um, next one comes from uh, Peter Villian. Would the Eagles be crazy to trade their future first for Dan Curtin? Um, future first. Yeah, their future first could be pick one next like yeah. for next year's draft. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's one that's been tossed up, as we mentioned earlier in the show, that if they want to get back into the draft and maybe get Dan Curtin um, after taking Harley Reid. Uh, there could be a club like if he slips to Geelong. I think Geelong would love Dan Curtin, but Geelong might want pick one even more, given they've also put pick eight on the table. But I don't know if he slides that far. Hawthorne want to want to stay in the drafts in their draft spot, so North aren't trading pick two or three for for uh, West Coast future first. I wouldn't have thought Hawthorne wouldn't West Coast Western Bulldogs wouldn't just given they traded up to get it. Um, GWS might, but given they've got two first rounders. So if Dan Curtin's available when they're on the clock, maybe. Um, Melbourne, maybe. Um, but would it be crazy? Uh, it, it kind of it's, it's interesting. I think West Coast kind of need a bit of everything. You know, they picked up some two really good midfielders last year and they'll get Harley Reid. And next year's draft is going to be a, a midfielder's draft. Um, so at pick one, you're, you're probably going to be looking at uh, a, a midfielder. And you're probably going to also be looking at a player that's, you know, could be a compromised draft, some call it, when you've got a Levi Ashcroft or a Leonardo Lombard who are tied to other clubs. So 
it might not be the worst idea for them, but it just depends at what point in the draft and maybe if they can get something back as well. Um, you know, you look at GWS and they've got pick seven and another pick in the teens. Like, mm. would they trade both of them for West Coast's future first? And then that gives West Coast potentially access to Dan Curtin and a Lance Collard or something. Um, although I know that GWS pick is right after North Melbourne's and I think North will like Lance Collard. So um, that... It would be a great gamble for them if they could get two first rounders for that future first. Um, that's GWS potentially being the best suitor for it. Yep. All right. And last one from Sam Palmer. Will Sean Manor get drafted? I'd love it. Yep. Yeah, big Sean Manor fan. Um, and being able to watch him at the the VFL grand final this year. And that's that's pretty much where a lot of this has kind of rolled on from. Um, he was one of the best players in the VFL well before that game mm-hmm. um i think he had a 40 and 4 performance earlier this year and um just one of the best for werribee the, obviously the issue for him is his age he's 25 26 next year um but it, that's that also shows you that you get that instant injection and of you know a mature body he's got great pace great mm-hmm. ball winning just goal sense match winner um carlton probably would have been a good one before they got orazio in um just trying to think maybe Freeman will look at him after losing Liam Henry. St. Kilda would probably be a good one. Um, just want some spark and some match winner, a half forward that can play through midfield. Does he get drafted though? I, I'm not sure. He might get a, a rookie draft spot or, yeah. um, you know, there's a good chance that maybe he goes uh, to a club as a, you know, train on prospect and as a SSP chance. Um, but there are a lot of clubs that could do with a Sean Manor on their list, I think. Yeah, yeah, certainly made a name for himself. All right, well, that wraps it up for the mailbag and for this episode of the Zero Hangout podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to have a lot of draft content coming up. Uh, you've got your mock draft coming up. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Uh, and then also in the off season. Uh, yeah a lot more fun YouTube listicles and all that kind of stuff coming up so um, yeah catch all that and catch all the latest AFL news at zerohanger.com thanks Mitch thanks Phoenix uh, oh and we're also on Spotify we are yeah we we're also on Spotify uh, Mitch just put that into the run shit as I was talking so check us out on Spotify yeah. yeah awesome alright thank you <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>